This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's good, everybody? This is episode two, keeping it 300. Blue Wire, oh yeah, Fallon Smith here in Columbia, Missouri. But James Jones, he's currently in L.A. So what's good, Jay? What's up? What's going down? Hey, I'm a little excited right now. Week two, got a special guest coming on. I'm a little excited. Special guest, yes. We're talking about Raiders quarterback Derek Carr. He's going to join us a bit later. I wonder how we got D.C. Hmm. Uh, you know, you got to know a couple people who know a couple people that know a couple people. That's it. <laughs> so um, big night for you last Friday. You got the call to the hall. It's official. You are now a San Jose State Hall of Famer. It is official. And, you know, I didn't have no emotions about the Hall of Fame. You know, I was ready to give my speech, you know, and as I, you know, listened to and watched the video that they did before they, you know, presented me with my, you know, plaque and all that good stuff. And before I gave my speech, didn't have no emotions at all. And then as I got closer to the mic. I started crying like a little baby and it all just started it all just started hitting me and you know just all the things I've been through to get here I'm a Hall of Famer but it's an unbelievable honor I tell people all the time the reason why I played the game it wasn't because of money it always was for the respect the respect of my teammates respect of my peers my family and friends and getting into the Hall of Fame to me was just a sign of wow they respect me so it was good the only other time that I've seen you cry is when you won the Super Bowl with the Packers. You want to know the funny thing about all this is that my oldest son, James, I always tell him, your daddy never cries. What you doing doing all that crying like a little baby? <laughs> and I tell him that. And I got up there and I cried and all that. And he woke up the next morning and he looked at me. He said, you OK, daddy? <laughs> Oh, that is so sweet, though. You know, because he ain't never seen me cry. I say, yeah, man, daddy, all right. <laughs> it's okay. I always say that it's okay to cry. I got to get it all out. That means you're human. Jay, you ain't Superman. That's it. That's it. No, I'm not. And then you had the pleasure of being on the sideline for the five-time overtime heartbreaker San Jose State versus Hawaii. What was that like? Oh, man. You know, when we seen that Hawaii was 4-0 playing good football, I knew it would be hard on us. But I had talked to the team before, and I just told them, man, whatever you play for, whatever you play this game for, if you play for respect, if you play for money, if you play for your mama, if you play for your daddy, whatever you play for, when they see you out there on that field tonight, let it be known what you're playing for. And I said, I just we should never come off the field saying that this team played harder than us or they have more passion than us. And that's the one thing I love, man. They went out there and they laid it all out there, played with heart, played with passion. They was going hard. And five overtimes, we came up short. But that game right there is definitely something to build off of, and I'm glad I was there. 
Yeah, and so was little James on the sideline when that field goal went up and it was short. You guys thought you guys were going to win that game. I seen a photo, and it was little James, his emotion on his face. He literally thought the game was over and you guys had won, and then you lost. So he experienced uh, agony of defeat there on the sideline with you. He did. <laughs> he did, and if it's, he's the biggest San Jose State supporter in the world he wants them to win every single game he cries when they don't he's sad and that hurt his feelings a little bit but I told him you win some you lose some they'll bounce back yeah no doubt about that well you had an eventful week so did I mine was a little more boring um I don't know if you guys know but um so I live in Columbia Missouri right now I have all my summer clothes here in Missouri but my car and my work clothes and my fall and winter clothes and a lot of other things are at my parents' house in San Jose. I showed James a video. It's pretty ridiculous how many things I have at my parents' house, right, Jay? Yep. Just just making a mess. Just leaving mama a big old mess to clean up. <laughs> I know. And so I basically took up three rooms uh, in my parents' house, but I didn't really know how long it was going to take me to pack. So I was up for 36 straight hours packing. And my poor mom and my grandma had to help me finish packing or I was going to miss my flight back to Missouri. So that was an eventful uh, couple days for me. And then I came to a couple of conclusions. One, I have a shopping problem. <laughs> Tags still on all my dang clothes. Most of my clothes is pretty ridiculous. Two, I'm a borderline hoarder. And uh, three, I used to be hella skinny, Jay. Hella skinny. I'm talking about size zero, size two. Size zero, so size depressing. two. Well, yeah, throw them away. It's size zero, size two. You don't <laughs> need to be way down there like that. Nah, it was depressing to see all those clothes that don't fit anymore, and then I have to go donate them. But shout out to my parents, Pamela and Leonard, allowing me to <clears throat> store my crap in their house. They were a storage unit, basically. They spoil you. They've been spoiling you for forever. <laughs> they sure have. Uh, but anyways, enough about my boring life. But that's what me and Jay have been up to since our last podcast. Again, this is episode two. Uh, check us out. Keeping it 300 on iTunes, Spotify. All right, so uh, we have a couple fan questions right now to get to. And first up is Mr. Castro. Do you remember Mr. Castro from Gunderson High School, James? I do remember Mr. Castro. Okay, well, he wants to know, what was the best and worst part of playing youth sports? You know what? That is a very good question. And I'm glad that we finally got a good question because I, I want to answer this one. The best thing about it is all the life lessons you learn, even as a little kid playing youth sports, whatever you start off, if you start off at 10, if you start off at seven, the life lessons you learn from coaches, from your other teammates, stick with you for the rest of your life. And that's why I truly believe every kid should play youth sports because you learn stuff that you, that's going to stick with you for the rest of your life. The worst part about it, in my humble opinion, is the parents. <laughs> <laughs> the parents think that their kid is going to go to the NFL or the NBA at six years old. You know, they yelling at coaches, they yelling at parents and stuff on the sideline, and it just gets out of hand. You know, playing time, they want their kid in here, they want their kid in there, they get super competitive, and it kind of makes the game a little – unfun because they just they're just crazy on on the sidelines so that's what i would say about youth sports parents just take it too serious well the funny thing is it's not just on the youth sports level and the amateur level it's also college um, my husband's a college basketball coach and let me tell you 
All I know is that a lot of people, a lot of parents think they have the answers, that they know more than the coaches. And that is so bothersome. Let the coaches coach. Let the players play and just cheer on your son or your daughter. And I absolutely agree because that's one thing that's special about the NBA and the NFL are professional sports. Your mama or daddy can't call the Green Bay Packers. And if she does, they're they going to hang up on Janet Jones. I'm telling her that right now. I hope she's listening. They're going to hang up on Janet Jones. Like, you can't call here. This this is a business now. So once you get to the NFL, that is the blessing about it. Look, your parents can't call for your playing time. They can't call for none of that. And if you do call, you're getting hung up on. So please, parents. If your kids are in youth sports, take that approach. You're putting them out there to get coached by the coaches that are out there. So let them coaches coach, and they're going to play the best players. Amen. I will say one thing. You know, I played uh, four sports growing up, but uh, most importantly, AAU travel ball. And I met some of my best friends, and I am still friends with them today. The only negative I would say is because I traveled Every single weekend throughout the year, I missed out on like different events that other friends were having on the weekends, you know, in high school, et cetera. But besides that, as you said, the life lessons that you learn, I mean, it really shaped me into the person that I am today, the competitor, the fighter, the hard worker, and someone who basically never gives up. And I credit all of that to, you know, playing AU travel ball. Absolutely. All right. So next question, it's going to be a football question from DMV Raider. What major changes do you personally see in Derek Carr, the quarterback, between 2016 and now? And I think this is a great question. Uh, Maybe I'll start off by answering it. Uh, 2016 was successful because Carr had somewhat continuity for the first time in his career. And that's when he was, what, uh, in the second year of Bill Musgrave's offense. So he was more comfortable. So were the weapons around him. But also keep in mind, the Raiders had seven fourth quarter comeback wins. So, you know, they were one play away from a completely different season. And then we all know what happened. Of course, Derek Carr broke his ankle before the playoffs. And so last year he was coming off a broken ankle. He broke his pinky finger and then, you know, had some fractures in his back or spine. And then he played through that. So last year was, I guess you would say a wash. And this year he's once again learning a new offense. It's his, what, fourth play caller in five seasons. He's going to Obviously, it's going to take some time to learn Gruden's complex offense and uh, and his language, but I think that he'll eventually get there, Jay. I think he's there, Fallon. As I watched the game and I was at the Raiders game this past weekend, the ball is coming off Derek Carr's hand just like it always has. He's making the right reads. And then I look at his stats and, you know, got over 1,300 yards, got, what is it, six touchdowns. But seven interceptions, Jay. Seven interceptions. Exactly. And that is not Derek Carr. But if we can take back two or three throws Mm -hmm. that don't get picked off, I mean, we're looking at Derek Carr right now, and we could be saying that, you know, he's close to being in the MVP race. I mean, I think he's like second or third in yards, throwing for yards. So I think that's the positive side, and I think that's the Derek Carr that we've seen when they were – what 12 and 4 yeah. and having that having that huge year. So my thing is if he stops turning the ball over which he will cuz he's a very smart guy and it'll happen then he'll start taking off. But I love what he's doing even on some of the interceptions like 
you're throwing the ball up to your guys, giving them a chance to make a play. Any wide receiver would take that any day. So I'm love. I love what I'm seeing from Derek Carr, and the turnovers will stop, and he'll be able to to get back on track turnover wise. And I hope yeah. he keeps gashing the league up yards wise. But let's be real. If they had a pass rusher mm. and a guy like Khalil Mack on mm. the other side, I think we're looking at a different scenario right now. The Raiders won't would not be one and three. They would probably be more like three and one, four and oh. I definitely agree. I'm watching what Khalil Mack is doing over there in that Chicago Bears uniform and my stomach bubbles every time I see him <laughs> over there in that uniform. But I mean, yes, if the Raiders had him, I mean, especially the points that they are scoring and you allow Khalil Mack to just pull his ears back and get after the quarterback. I mean, who knows what their record would be, but he's gone. So they're going to have to figure it out and they're going to have to win some games without him. Well, the Raiders uh, were on the verge of dropping to own four, uh, but thanks to some late game heroics and a few questionable calls that went the Raiders way. Uh, they did beat the Browns 45 to 42 in overtime. And James, we said it in our first podcast. We did not want to believe that the Raiders would go own four. Now they still have a ton of work to do, but one and three, much better alternative. And the way that they won that game obviously has given them what? Some confidence and some momentum, right? Absolutely. And and like I said before, I was at the game, so I kind of I seen it with my own eyes of how explosive this team could be, especially on offense. I looked at the way Marshawn Lynch was running the ball and he looks like he came I mean back in 07 when we both got drafted in the same draft mm-hmm. class. Obviously, he went a little bit before me, but he looks young, fresh legs. They do not want to tackle him. He's running angry. And then I look at Derek Carr spreading the ball around. You never know who is going to have that huge game. It could be Jared Cook. It could be Jordy Nelson. It could be Amari Cooper. If my man Martavis Bryant catches that long ball, it could be Martavis Bryant. So that is the positive. This is a scary offense going down the road. It's a lot of weapons that teams are going to have to try to stop, and I love what I'm seeing for the Raiders. Well, last thing before our Derek Carr interview, we have some predictions to make. The Raiders travel to L.A. to face Phillip Rivers, and the two and two chargers now with all the LA Raider fans this is definitely going to feel like a home game for the Raiders I heard they're pumping fan crowd noise they're pumping in crowd noise at practice you know this is going to be basically a home game with all those LA fans we all know how Raider fans travel and how passionate Raider fans are so I'm not surprised at all that's what you that's why you play this game for the fan base and if you own an organization that fan base is like the Raiders you blessed and you live for moments like this you come but you still got to get the job done because you're still on the road yeah so Joey Bosa is out uh, but they still have Melvin Ingram who's a beast and the Raiders are starting what two rookie tackles with Donald Penn now out and on injured reserve that's going to be a little bit of problem but then on the other side you got old man rivers the gunslinger can never count that guy out got keenan allen melvin gordon uh, gotta contain those guys of course and limit big plays i think that this is going to be a shootout but i think the raiders find a way to pull it out just like last week well you know on the podcast we ain't never gonna go against the raiders and I'm probably never going to go against the Packers. So, yes, I think it'll be a shootout because San Diego Chargers' offense is, is very dangerous, so I think they'll put up some points. But like I said, what I've seen from the Raiders' offense, they can score with the best of them. So I think it'll be a lot of points in this one right here, and I think the Raiders come out on top with the win. 
All right, good stuff. Well, now it is time for our interview with Raiders quarterback, Derek Carr. So let's welcome in Raiders quarterback, Derek Carr. And Derek, I want to first start off by saying congratulations on baby number three. That's exciting. Oh, yes. Thank you very much. That is obviously more exciting than anything football can do. So, yes. Do we know if it's a boy or a girl yet? We do not know yet, but we are taking any names. Anyone wants to throw names at us, we just want to see what they come up with. So we are accepting nominations. (laughs) But you have two boys right now. So, I mean, you want a healthy baby, but clearly if you have a girl, you won't be bad, right? Yeah, exactly. I got two boys right now, so chances are it'll be another one. But if if we have a girl, uh, that would be good for my wife's heart. So (laughs) that would be... That would be good, so that she would have somebody to go get their nails done with. <laughs> well, speaking of your wife, you spilled the beans to the media after Sunday's win that you guys were having your third child, and you didn't consult her before you did it. When she found out that you spilled the beans, what was that like? Um, well, my initial thought was, what did you just do? <laughs> then my second thought was, I was going to end up on the injury report randomly uh, on <laughs> Wednesday. But I made it out of my house okay with it um but no we're both we're both excited it's it's a fun time <laughs> first off i want to get back to this name because i've been sitting over here thinking and i'm thinking james deandre carr you know what i'm saying that that sounds little really dingo. Legit right there man so yeah, just keep that in mind man <laughs> i appreciate it hey we're taking all the nominations so i appreciate it <laughs> You know what I mean? That rhymed and everything together. It's easy for the teachers and people to pronounce. You know what I mean? James DeAndre Carr. You know? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, hey, I, again, I appreciate it. So, Derek, I've known James for over 20 years. Well, man. Uh, I know you've known him for quite a long time. When you first met him, what was your initial reaction? Because I think you guys first met in Fresno, right? Yep. Yeah, we first met first met in Fresno, so it's got to be close to. We're coming up on ten years now, and that's like yeah. a big anniversary for us. So we're excited about you that. You know what I'm and, saying? Uh, so uh, the first thing I thought is, wow, that's what receivers look like in the NFL. I need to lift more, and um, <laughs> that was my that was my first thought. And then when I saw him run routes and catch the ball, I was like, I am going to need to step my game up if I want to be throwing to guys like that. So it was more of an encouragement. James didn't even know he did it, but he encouraged me to hit the weight room more. And I thank you for that. (laughs) Nice. Hey man, you know, I appreciate it, man. I'm good. (laughs) Is there any funny story though, that you could share from maybe the days back when he, he, you were throwing to him at Fresno or even that, uh, 2014 season that I know you want to put behind you. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I don't want to put that behind me at all because that was some of the moments and so, uh, the fact that we got to play together, uh, you know, I, I remember getting drafted and he texted me, come on, come on out to Oakland the day of the second round. He texted me before it even happened. Uh, like he made the pick. He said, come on out to Oakland, bro. And <laughs> ended up happening. And, uh, I got to end up starting and we got, I mean, I tried to throw him the ball every play if I could. And so I know that he enjoyed it. He had, he had quite a few touchdowns and it was fun for us, but, um, I don't have anything embarrassing except the fact that. The night that we, if I'm not mistaken, the night that we won our first game was the night that he paid me um, my my $2 that we bet on the Fresno State-San Jose State game. So <laughs> I, think, I think that that was a sign of good things to come. 
Man, you know, listen, when I first met D.C., it's crazy, too. Cause, and he didn't know it neither. It's crazy how, you know, I taught him something. And, you know what I mean, he taught me a little something, too. But when I first seen D.C., I had kind of looked at the receiver coach at Fresno State at the time, Keith Williams, like, man, this kid can throw the ball. And I only played in the NFL at that time with two dudes. And that was Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. And I'm like, man, this kid can throw the ball, man. You know what I mean? Like, the receivers at Fresno State don't even know how blessed they are to have a quarterback like this throwing the ball. And then when he came to the league, he got drafted. And all Dennis Allen kept saying was, Matt Schaub is our starter. Matt Schaub is our starter. And every time he came out to practice, I see this young kid wearing number four, slinging the ball. And I'll never forget me and Charles were sitting in the back like, we've seen these throws before. <laughs> we've seen these throws before. And we played and we play with some special dudes. And they put him out there against the Seattle Seahawks, the Legion of Boom. Didn't have no starting receivers out there. And we all know he gashed them up. And I'll never forget, everybody on the sideline was like, man, they better get him out or it's going to be some quarterback <laughs> controversy. And they left him in. And Coach came in at me that next morning and said, this is the hardest decision I had to make. And I remember D.C. always sat in the front because, you know, I mean, he was a student of the game. You know, I mean, he was very professional. You know, guys like me, J.J. and Wood, we sat in the back. So Coach got up there like, you know, biggest decision I had to make. We like, no, it's not. We already knew what was coming. No, it's not. Derek Carr is the starter. And the rest is history. So I knew he was going to be special, man. That's why I said, um, you know, a while back, he gonna throw for five thousand, and he on pace. <laughs> You're on pace for five thousand yards right now, and he is the first one to call you baby A Rod. Yes, yes, he did. He said that uh, within the first couple of years that I knew him, and uh, I appreciate you putting that pressure on me. But um, you oh, know, again, always, I am, you know what I mean. I, I, I mean, the love is real between us. So, if it's anybody I, I do know that. that ball, if it's anybody I know that balls out under pressure. It's you, so you know a little pressure to hit me up a little bit. Well, speaking of, I, I'm not gonna lie. So sorry, Fallon, but my favorite moment with that I have with James not only was his one-handed catch in my first game amazing because I told him in the huddle I said, James, it's not really going well for me right now. I'm gonna just throw this ball up to you no matter what. <laughs> he got it, the best catch I've ever seen, yeah. one-handed, two feet in. But he also got the. I, I signaled a route as a rookie. I just I changed the play, signaled a route, and he caught my first fourth quarter comeback win and then so it was like the coolest thing ever for me to win a game in the fourth quarter because of Kobe Bryant's my favorite <laughs> ever so whenever I got to do that I'll never forget James for the rest of my life for more reasons than that but of course for that's that. what I'm saying <laughs> see that's why you see now that you said that now I mean it's a given that your son's name has to be James DeAndre Carr but go ahead <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of fourth quarter comebacks uh you guys had one Obviously, this past weekend against the Browns, it was looking like the Raiders were about to drop to 0-4, and then you got a couple calls your way. You were able to come from behind and get the W in in overtime. Did you feel like it was 2016 all over again? Because I remember seven fourth-quarter comebacks in 2016, and you knew when you had the ball in the fourth quarter you were going to find a way to win uh, the football game. And obviously, the first three games, it wasn't going your guys' way, but this game was different. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the funny part was, is that every time, you know, we've been down in the fourth quarter this year and we get the ball, I'm like, oh, here we go. We got this. We're going to win this game. You know, it's like uh, that. I don't think that feeling loses or ever leaves anybody. I think 
Um, obviously, the more I watched Kobe and the way he finished games and things like that, there was a lot of shots that he took at the end and missed. You know, ones you make that people love to talk about, which is, I guess, a good thing for us. So, um, you know, when we got the ball in the fourth quarter, and obviously it wasn't looking good, and you know, we're about to lose uh, at home against the Browns, and it's, it's just not looking good for us. I think the cool thing I saw in our team's eyes is the same look I saw in everybody's eyes, and. 2016 not one person gave up on the sideline not one person thought the game was over the defense was just like get our offense back the ball they're gonna win it and as soon as we scored we said man our defense is gonna stop it we're gonna go down there and win it and just the belief we had in one another I mean, it's such a fine line in this league um that you have to have belief in each other you have to have faith that uh you guys can both finish on both sides of the ball and special teams and we were, we were able to do that and i'm glad because one, one one win is way better than zero. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, you know, DC, I was at the game on um, Sunday, and you know, I, I shot you a text after the game. And whenever we used to play with each other, I, I used to say, "Just get Boopy the ball," you know. And <laughs> you know, y'all were zero and three, and then once Booby steps in the building, you know what I mean? You guys find a way <laughs> to win and score forty plus points. So I'm not surprised by that. But I got a little ball yeah, to yeah. pick with you because. Uh-oh. You know, um, in in the off season, we you know it was a guy named Jordy Nelson who was a free agent, and <laughs> you know I did I did my best selling job for the organization, you know for Derek Carr for Coach Olson, you know what I'm saying? And I haven't received a thank you card, no chocolate, none, <laughs> no like candy, you know what I'm saying? Or, you know, giving you a guy like Jordy. So, you know, I just wanted to put that out there. Not saying you've got to spend something, but, you know, I just wanted to put that out there. I don't even know if I got a thank you from you and Coach Olsen and Gruden, but it's all. <laughs> After that two-point conversion, I think he owes you a little something. I definitely, I definitely owe James something. I'll put that on the record. And now that it's out in the public, there's going to be something on the way. So just know uh, that it's on the way. And I am uh, very, very thankful, not for what you've done for me, uh, and getting Jordy here, but when Booby's in the building, we just seem to be able to score points. So I appreciate I'm that. I'm telling you, just the, the swag is up, baby. I love it. <laughs> Derek, I have to ask about Marshawn Lynch. Uh, he's one of my favorite yep. people. He's like a national treasure. Whenever he talks, everybody listens. But do you understand him when he talks? Like that Oakland swag, that Oakland lingo. You know, I'm from the Bay, but I still need a translator sometimes. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie either. I, I've had to learn what his yes and his no mean um, over the last two years, and uh, sometimes it's drastically different than what it was the last time. And so, uh, I think that we're both on the same page now, though. He's, uh, you know, Marshawn is actually, you know, uh, he's a good friend. You know, he's someone that uh, I text often. He'll send me a random text things like that. But I think I, it took me two years though. So don't get it twisted. It took me a full, a full two years <laughs> to really understand um, everything that he is saying. But once you catch on, you actually learn the things that he, he's one of the smartest people I've ever been around. Uh, he's actually, uh, you know, he may be funny and say certain things or maybe not say anything at all, but he is, uh, he's one of the coolest, funniest, smartest people I've ever been around. And uh, I'm glad that we got him. Like I said before, I was at the game this Saturday, man, and I was watching the offense, and I'm looking at Jordy, I'm looking at Martavis Bryant, I'm looking at Jared Cook, I'm looking at Amari Cooper, I'm looking at Marshawn Lynch in the backfield, Doug Martin backing him up, and I'm looking like, how do the Raiders not score 45 points every week? How explosive can this offense be, man? 
Yeah, I think that we've asked ourselves the same kind of questions. And I think in the first three weeks, you know, uh, we didn't finish in the red zone like we should have. Um, you know, we were scoring about 20 points or 22 points. And it's like, obviously that's not enough. And we'd sit back and think like, oh man, we blew that opportunity. We blew that opportunity. And you sit there and add it up like, man, that should have been another 30 something points. And so uh, I think that, uh, I think that obviously we got to go out there and compete and, you know, you get what you earn in this league. So uh, we sit there and think that, you know, we, we should be able to go out there and move the ball and score, you know, those, those kind of games and those kind of points every week, you know, and obviously we play, some good defenses that are good and can stop certain things. But at the same time, we still believe that, uh, you know, we should be able to go out there and score points. And that's our belief. Every time we get the ball, that we're going to go down and score a touchdown. And so, uh, it's a good feeling, uh, you know, with that, because I've been in situations where it's hard just to get a first down. And so, uh, to have the feeling of, we have the faith and belief that we can score every time. is kind of nice. Derek, at the same time, I mean, you've been on what your fourth play caller now <laughs> in five seasons. Yeah. And the only time you had any sort of continuity was under Bill Musgrave, two straight <laughs> seasons, and that's it. And now you have to, you know, take play calls from a guy like John Gruden, very complex uh, offense. The language is something probably foreign to you that you have had to learn uh, since this offseason. Is that the biggest challenge for you? I think uh, the biggest challenge um, obviously was at first the plays and learning how to say them and recite them and um you know, it doesn't matter who the coach is. There's sometimes they call it so fast where you only hear half of it. And so you got to just know what he's calling. You got to memorize it. You got to know the game plan and all those kind of things. So, I mean, that's difficult, um, but we're at a point now where uh, we're hit, we're hitting that good. We've hit that stride good. And uh, now it's just getting on the same page situationally. You know, what do you want me to do in this situation? What do you want me to do in this situation? What check do you want here? What if this is the score? What do you want this check to be? And that's something with coach Del Rio um, him being a defensive coach, it's a completely different mindset than an offensive coach. And so it's just a, a learning curve that I'm getting used to and that coach is getting used to. But I think that we, we've had great communication, great conversation, but this isn't uh, something that just happens overnight. This is stuff that we have to go through some things and we, we're learning. And uh, those first three weeks, we really learned a lot of lessons. Even last week, situationally, we're just learning each other and I'm learning to make sure to accomplish exactly what he wants done by the quarterback every single game. So uh, as long as we continue to work our tails off and communicate, um, I believe that we're going to continue to get better as a, as a player, a coach, and an offense. Speaking of coaches real quick, I just want to ask you, how good is it to have Coach Olsen back in the building and leading that offense? Oh, man, you know, you know Ole because you were there with him. He's awesome, and he is uh, He's just such a joy to be around. Um, you know, we I can sit here and talk about how smart he is and outs and protection and coverage. And I, I mean, I can go on and on. But I think the coolest thing about him is how positive he is with every single player, every single day. It never gets old. Uh, and he, he has a great way of demanding from you, um, just like Coach Gruden. But they're both so positive and encourage you at the same time. So uh, I can't say enough good things about Ole. I'm, I'm glad that he's back. Okay, so we have some Twitter questions uh, for you before we let you go. We have a couple more minutes. I hope you have a little bit more time. Oh, yeah. The first one is just a comment. So Donald Silhor says, every home game, Derek Carr takes time to sign autographs for fans and take pictures. So can you please thank him for doing that for me, please? So Donald Silhorst, there you go. Uh, I had a moment uh, when I was a kid where – I asked a certain individual for an autograph and there was no one around and they said that they didn't have time for me. And, uh, 
and it, and, it, and it broke my heart. I won't call that person out, but someday when I see them, I will say that to their face. So, uh, you know, there, there will come a day, but uh, I, I just promised myself I'd never be like that. And uh, You never know if I can inspire one kid by signing an autograph to help them become the next Raiders quarterback, then I'm all for it. All right. From the Great Lakes Raiders Booster Club Twitter account, uh, they wrote, I've been watching DC closely since he joined the Raiders. It seems like when he gets visibly mad, he becomes unstoppable, <laughs> determined to win. Also, the arms flex. I get very excited when I see this. Is this true? Been, uh, I try and hide it a lot of times. There's times where I get angry and uh, have to say some things to some guys. But um, for the most part, I try and hold it in. But when I, uh, you know, you know, get our when our offense is, you know, maybe getting booed or uh, you know things aren't going well, and then we come back and turn around. Uh, and win a football game, I think it's only human nature to kind of let some of that uh, flexing come out. Um, <laughs> but it's all in it's all in love, and uh, I don't get I don't get angry much. But I appreciate the compliment on the flexing. Hopefully, hopefully it looked good. <laughs> remember James, remember James. I would ask you all the time uh, when you guys, and not to bring up some old stuff, <laughs> but 2014 when y'all started 0 and 10, and I said how. Does this rookie quarterback stay so composed? Like, is this real? Like, is this like just a fake act he's trying to put on? <laughs> and I remember, James, you were like, now this is him. This is DC. This is just how he is. That's just how he is, man. He's cool and calm under pressure, man. He don't let nothing knock him off the track. And, he, I mean, it, it comes with a little swag, too, because, I mean, he knows that he's a special player. He might not say it, but he knows he's talented and he got skills. So he got belief in his ability that no matter the situation, it's going to be all right. I'm cool and calm under pressure. And you just heard him say that Kobe is his favorite player. And you know what I mean? So if you got the Kobe Mamba mentality, <laughs> everything going to be all right. Derek, you need to pay him as your hype man. He needs to be your hype man. Put him on your payroll. 100%. <laughs> 100 percent 24 7 he ain't even gonna pay me for that i'm gonna do that anyway <laughs> <laughs> i know okay so uh raider infiltrator 2.0 uh derek in your first year or two it seems like you would opt to scramble more or pop for a big run why haven't we seen that much lately is it coach prohibition conscious of unwanted injuries or maybe mental doubt hashtag raider nation loves you congrats on the new baby Oh, well, thank you very much. And uh, honestly, uh, there's been a couple of times where I've tried to get scramble or something, and someone will catch my shoelace or someone will trip me up as I'm on my way out. And uh, it's like a, play, a step away from some of those breaking. And um, so it's definitely not coach prohibited. He wants me to do it, um, especially when plays break down. We actually had a, I had an opportunity to run, maybe run one in. Uh, in the Cleveland game, but Coop popped open, so I gave it to him real quick, and he ended up scoring. But there's been a couple times where you try and extend it, and you want to do it, but uh, obviously that's not what I'm looking to do. I'm obviously wanting to complete passes and beat people from the pocket. Um, but, you know, there's been times throughout my career where I've been able to get out of the pocket and do things. So hopefully hopefully there'll be a couple more uh, this season where we'll be able to extend some plays that way. All right, a couple more questions. Um, actually, for my sister, Megan, she hit me up uh, on Facebook. She went to Fresno State. So she says, to my former Fresno State colleague, what is something you learned from playing at Fresno State that you have brought with you to the NFL? Oh, my goodness, toughness, for sure. Um, you know, I, I think, um, you know, Coach, I actually think Coach Hill, Pat Hill was at the game, uh, at the Cleveland game, and he texted me this long text or whatever after the game, and I just said, Coach, that one took some toughness. So thanks for teaching me how to be tough. <laughs> and uh, and I meant it. Um, you know, he he taught me how at a young age what it meant 
to be tough, what it looked like to be a leader um, for a football team. He taught me some of those things uh, in my first couple of years there at Fresno. So um, that's definitely something I learned. I learned how to play hard, um, you know, early, early on in my career. And then I had a great coach and coach Drew, who I got to, you know, exemplify that for and play for and all those kind of things. But definitely early on, um, you know, I, I was able to show uh, some toughness and play hard. That that's that's all Coach Hill. You know, just um, you know, pushing that down my throat, basically. That goes perfectly with the next person who asked an amazing question, and I think you're going to know who this is. Um, Darren Carr. Hmm, maybe your older brother. Oh man. Oh man. This is pretty funny. Okay, so. This is what he asks. Uh, Do you think that when David and Darren captured you, tossed you in the attic of David's Houston house and shut the door, (laughs) do you think that toughened you up more? Or was it the time Darren scared you to tears when he popped out of the closet dressed up like Michael Myers during Halloween? He says, do you think those instances helped you prepare for life in the league and made you tough? All right, so yeah, I will. Uh, I will answer my brother as politically correct as I can, and say that he had nothing to do with my success or my toughness. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, uh, those moments actually are true, and um, I think that that's what big brothers are for—to let you know that um, life can be scary sometimes, but <laughs> it's not the end. And so I think that that's why I've been able to persevere through some tough times. I think that those are reasons right there um, that I've been able to. Uh, to just be a tough guy. And so, uh, I definitely, I, you know, I'm going to take the, the high road here and say, yeah, I think that my brothers had a lot to do with it, even though I don't like them and they're both are ugly. So I think that, uh, so, I'm thankful for them. <laughs> so what I, what I took out of all of it, cause I, I mean, I, you come off as a, you know, a tough, strong dude to me. He said, you still are scared of Michael Myers or is he just making that? No, up? he said that to us. He did say that to us. <laughs> That is a hundred percent true. That is the one dude I don't mess with. Like he doesn't die. Like if you come into my house, it's going to be a problem. Bingo. We've talked about this. It's going to be a problem. If you come into my house for my kids and my wife sleep, if Michael Myers comes in my house, you can't kill him. So I don't know what I'm going to know what to do, but I am going to go see that movie. I'm excited to see that movie. <laughs> That's too funny. Um, but I have a question. Why are you so always politically correct you never give anyone bulletin board material i think honestly like um like half the time more than half the time obviously i genuinely just mean like you know nothing really bothers me <laughs> like honestly uh there's nothing anyone can say or do or uh, anything that really just gets under my skin i mean i had brothers that were you know that made me tough and you know just taught me not to care what others said so it doesn't really matter what you say you just gotta go out there and show them you know i don't I, i've I've been doubted so many times in my life where I could have said something and I just said, you know what, I'll just go show them. And I think you get more out of that than talking about it. Um, I've just never been someone that wants to talk about it now. Uh, the people closest to me, I'm sure James would know too, like when people are talking about Owen Tanner, I mean, they know how I really feel about a certain situation. But for me to go out there and say anything, that really doesn't matter. I mean, we just, we're going to have to line up. We're going to have to handle it as men at some point. So uh, I just that's just how I was raised. I'm not saying – um, you know, anything crazy or anything like that. But that's just how I was brought up. One thing that I learned early in my career from Coach Mike McCarthy, and this stuck with me through my whole career, doing interviews or anything, even working on the TV now, he always told us, never create questions for your teammates. 
So if it's something that you yeah. want to say and you know, like, dang, they about to go to Derek Carr locker, Marshawn Lynch locker, Jordy Nelson locker, asking all these questions, he said, then that ain't the right response. Don't create questions for your teammates. So that's what I always took out of that and didn't want to get nobody bulletin material because then they're going to go and run and talk to your teammates 24-7. Absolutely. No doubt. You don't want to, you don't want those guys asking like, why are you making me answer this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. So last uh, question from a fan, it's from Raider Caesar. Uh, he tweeted probably the only time it will not be Raider related, but McGregor and Habib this weekend, who you got? Oh my goodness. I don't even, Oh man, I got to pick somebody. I just think with McGregor's track record, he's got that long reach. I think that he's going to do it. I really do. Even though he was a boxer for like half a second, I think that he'll come back and be just fine. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't fought for uh, two years in the UFC, so I think maybe he'll be ready to roll. Yeah, that's like saying, that's like saying, Derek, you haven't thrown a football for two years. Can you throw the slant? Like, yeah, I can throw the slant. So <laughs> yeah, I think he'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I think Conor McGregor knocks him out in the second round. Conor McGregor just got that dog in him. He don't care what your name is. He don't care how many accolades you got. You step in his octagon with me, you get knocked out. I think it's going to be a second round knockout, <laughs> Conor McGregor. Jay, you're reaching. <laughs> he called it. He called it. He's reaching. He's reaching. It ain't happening in no <laughs> second round. Okay, just just watch and see. Okay, I will watch and see. <laughs> okay, so there's one more question that we have to ask you, Derek. All right. Do you want to do the honors, James? Go ahead. Yes, um, I'll do the honors because, um, you know, every time I see this, my stomach hurts and it bubbles. Um, you know what I mean? And I feel like I got to go to the restroom and all that stuff. But, you know, you know, obviously I was a Packer, so I hate the Bears. And then I came to the Raiders. And you came to the Raiders, and Khalil Mack came to the Raiders, and it was, <laughs> baby, we are on our way. We are going to be good. So yep. besides myself, I got to ask you this, man. How much do you miss 52? Oh, I miss my dog. Oh, it hurts. <laughs> um, I think I think, I think, uh, I think, think everyone does, right? We all miss him, man. Uh, how do you not? Like, if you don't, then you're lying. Um, we, we love our guy. You know, anytime – and it's not even, it's not, honestly, it's not even about the football stuff. I just miss my friends, right? You know, every time, uh, you know, you go into the locker room, he was the dude I was joking with. He was the dude I was, you know, messing with, talking trash to. He was the one I was dunking on in my pool. You know, he's the one, he's the one that was always hanging out. And so I think the thing that hurt the most, um, obviously I was happy for him because he got his money and, you know, he, his family set forever and all that and all those good things. But and the fact, I think in a selfish way, I was just sad, man, that I don't get to see him every day. So I still talk to him. I still text him after every game. We're still always talking, making fun, laughing at each other. But uh, I, we, I think we all miss him, man. I think, uh, uh, but I think at the same time, we can all root for his success because he was such a great, such a great Raider. Uh, once a Raider, always a Raider. You know, he was such a great one. And, uh, you know, we miss him. But I think we got to just wish him well as he continues to ball out. Uh, before we introduce your interview, me and James are talking about how easily this team, a couple plays here or there, could have been 3-1, and 4-0. Oh. And if you have an elite pass rusher on the other side, like Khalil Back, y'all probably are looking at a 3-1, and 4-0 oh record. Would you see him dominating with the Bears, elevating that defense? And, man, he's already made a case for Defensive Player of the Year through four games. That has to crush you just a little bit. Oh, yeah, I think uh, as a team, you know, it hurts. But at the same time, you know how football is. If you're looking back here, you're already behind. So we got we to gotta keep moving forward. 
uh, even though, you know, he may win defensive player of the year MVP. He's got my vote for everything. So uh, I love him, but as a team, we move forward and uh, we continue to wish him the best, but uh, it's tough. First off, DC, he can't have your vote because uh, before the season started, I said you was 5,000 yards MVP. So uh, we're going to get that out of your head because I need you to go out here and strike for five touchdowns this week, five touchdowns <laughs> next week because I just traded on my fantasy Russell Wilson. And um, who else did I trade? I traded running back. I traded a free real running back. I traded to get you, man. I fall for you. So I need five touchdowns this week, five next week, and <laughs> go and get that MVP so I can say, boy, I told y'all I know what I'm talking about on this TV. Hey, I promise you this. I'll give you everything I got. <laughs> <laughs> I already know it. DC, you are on pace, though. You're on pace for over 5,000 yards, and you have yet to hit the 4,000-yard mark in your career. You could shatter Rich Gannon's uh, franchise record. Oh. That would uh that would be awesome. You know, I, I've been a total of like uh, three and a half yards short of four thousand like three times. I know. So I got it. I got it. I hopefully we do that. But honestly, you know, on pace means you haven't done it yet. So hopefully at the end of this thing, uh, you know, we can we can cheer about that. But we got a long long way to go. I'm good. I appreciate you, brother man, taking the time, man, coming on here, man. Appreciate you. Absolutely. You already know. Whenever. Thank you so much, Derek, for taking the time. Oh, I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it. So when this thing is big, I'm going to need my cut like James. I'm, I'm gonna need it. Oh, you, you already know it, man. We're about to blow up, baby. Oh, man, appreciate it. All right. Thanks, DC. Have a good night, man. And good luck in L.A. It's going to be a home game for the Raiders. Yeah, no doubt. No, I appreciate you guys. I'll talk to you all soon. All right, so you just heard from Raiders quarterback Derek Carr. A lot of good stuff there. Yeah, it was good to just crack jokes, man. See the different personality that Derek Carr has, man. That's my guy. I'm glad he came on. All right, well, this was episode two of Keeping It 300. Hope you enjoyed. Sorry if we couldn't get to all the questions. We will ask you guys to send in more questions next week, and hopefully we will get to them then. Again, thank you so much. Keep It at 300. Make sure you subscribe and rate us download etc itunes spotify art 19 we got you for james i'm fallon and we are out